0: God. Amen.
1: Yeah. Let's give the Lord a shout. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank you, Father. Amen. So this morning, as I've just been praying, I, I just heard the heard the Holy Spirit just saying the voice, the voice, and uh, Psalm 29 is one of my favorite psalms, but it talks about the voice of the Lord, and uh, I just had to pick, we watched The Voice, anybody else watch The Voice? We love that show. Michael could win it. (laughs) Michael auditioned, all right? And uh, we'll be your family in the sides, like, oh, there's Michael's family over there, We're like. (laughs) <laughs> um, so I just felt like the Lord, like we're, we're the people. And Isaiah, Isaiah says, you'll hear this a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. And I just feel like the Lord was almost like on the stage and we're in the judge's chairs. We can't see the Lord necessarily, but we hear his voice and he's just saying, who's going to turn around and uh, just respond to whatever he's saying to you personally. But uh, in Psalm 29, it talks about a few of the different things that the voice of the Lord does. It breaks the cedars, which uh, trees oftentimes just represent pride of man. So it breaks that. It, it causes the deer to calf. It, it's going to birth new things. And this is what I feel like God is going to do this morning. It makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syria like a young wild ox. So for some of you this morning, the joy of the Lord's going to return. And... Uh, it says he shakes the wilderness. He shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And so some of you have been, maybe you've been in a wilderness season. Maybe you stayed in the wilderness and God was, never put you there. He's going to shake you out of the wilderness and, uh, and bring you out of that. It says the, he strips the forest bare and everything in his temple cries out glory. So his voice is the end result of Jesus' words to you are always for the purpose of joy. Because Jesus said, These words I've spoken to you that your joy may be made complete. So, the end result of his words for you is to bring you to that place of joy in the presence of the Father. So, Bob and Kimberly, we're going to hand it over to you guys, whoever's coming up first.
2: We'll give Bob a round of applause here. I just have a quick word. My wife has an amazing, one of my favorite messages she's going to give this morning, but I have a quick prophetic word. How many like prophetic words? How many like prophetic words if they work? Amen. You know why sometimes prophetic words don't work? Tell me why. Well, it's because you have to mix it with faith. Thank you, sir. appreciate that. You have to mix it with faith. So what's faith? Faith is obedience in the Word. So it's, it's a dual thing. So lots of times we get a prophetic word and we just sit on our blessed assurance and wait for it to happen. And then you'll die on your blessed assurance with nothing happening. Because when that word comes, that prophetic word, you have to activate it through action, obedience, and faith. Word of God. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you something that's a prophetic word if you want it. But then you are required to do two things. Take action on it and water it. Ephesians 5.26 says, water with the water by the word. And so you have prophetic words in the past. They're not coming true. When you're just sitting on them going, hmm, when, when this is this going to happen? Well, probably because you haven't been declaring it. You haven't been walking in it as if it happened Okay. All right. No, you guys are so white, it hurts me. <laughs> Can I hand an amen, huh? Girlfriend in the back, don't be doing that. You, you're not saying nothing. You're acting white right now, so you need to get it together. I'm It's not I'm, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, there you go, baby. It's okay. We're from California. We're not used to so much pigment lacking potential. Yeah. Amen. So here we go. <laughs> my, my brother g- gave this word. He, sometimes, you know, he gives lots of words, and sometimes I want it. Most of the time I don't because I don't need that kind of pain in my life. So he gave, one, he gave an example once. He doesn't get jet lag. And so after the service, I went up and said, I want that. You want what? I don't want jet lag anymore. So I put my hands out. He put his hands on me and just released that to me so I don't get jet lag anymore. Now, that's not the word. That's not the one I'm giving you. I'm just, it's an example. And so I put a demand on that anointing, and I said, give me that. So this is the one. I was back there in worship. I actually sang three songs. I sang sang the one that's like a hymn. You know, the one that's like a hymn. And then the Jesus song. And then the other song, Resurrection. Yeah, I like that one. That's a good song. So if you didn't come to the conference, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm so sad, I'm not going to tell you why. So the word, he, he gave an example. He was awakened several times, several mornings in a row at 555. So probably the third, fourth, fifth morning, he goes, Okay, Father, what's going on? And, and God says, I'm giving you a debt cancellation anointing. And so he said, Thank you very much. And so he he gave that word at church and he, he gave examples of how his debts have been canceled. So after the service, I just didn't take it verbally. I went up and said, give me that. And, and so I'm, like I said, sometimes I want it, sometimes I don't. But I wanted that one. So then what we did is we started seeing 555 all over the place. So when we did, out loud, we said, thank you, Father, that our debt is canceled and we carry a debt cancellation anointing. We are debt free. And so we began to proclaim it every time we saw 555. It wasn't something we thought of. It was something that we proclaimed. We mixed the word with faith. Does that make sense? You don't have to believe it to mix it with faith. You just need to obey. All right. Because eventually your heart will turn. Physical obedience produces spiritual release. So you physically obey what God tells you to do, something's going to happen. Pretty, pretty, all right? So since that time... That was a while ago. So we had a debt. I was on the phone, and I had a phone bill debt. And How many of you ever had a phone bill debt? Yeah, horrible thing. <laughs> I switched company. we switched companies, and then we had this big thing, and big mess-up, and, and they forgave like $1,100. So I'm going, oh, thank you, Jesus. So then we, had, we have two kids that were born deaf, so they have cochlear implants, so we have large medical bills. Anybody else had medical bills? Three of you. Okay, so so just on the phone with them working out deals, another couple thousand dollars was forgiven. So we're going, Shh, this stuff works. So then in May, in this, this May, I was in Cambodia at our orphanage. I was out in the, in the bush bush in Cambodia. I get a phone call. I answer it. It's a lady on the phone that we took a personal loan with, probably owed $25,000. She said, I've been in the courts of heaven and God said, you're doing my work, so I need to release you of the debt you owe me. $25,000. So I'm going, oh, my God. I was just, I was humbled. I was in shock. I was, I was happy. Because I'm, I'm in the, I'm going, oh, I, I need to stay in the jungle, in the bush bush a little more. But it's a combination of mixing it with faith, being obedient And put an expectation, not a belief, but an expectation on what he says is true. All right? So what I want to do is if you're in debt and you want to get out of debt, and not only that, want to carry a debt cancellation anointing that when you declare things, other people's debt is done, stand up. I'm going to release that to you. Oh, he's just up to get it. (laughs) I don't need to touch you, but since you ran, I'm going to go ahead and just, yeah. So, Father, I thank you that you are not a respecter of people. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that you are interested in your kids being debt-free. The lender, not the borrower. So we declare your word to everyone standing. And as I dem- put a demand on that anointing, they're putting a demand on that anointing to carry a debt cancellation anointing. We we declare their debt canceled and free. And they have an anointing that everywhere they go, they cancel debt. When they walk into places, debt is canceled in Jesus' name. Yeah. Yeah. Say amen.
3: That's good, baby. <laughs> Michael said during one of the songs I've heard the whole time, what, what was it you were thinking? Was singing that hold on. You know, he holds on. Can y'all hear him?
0: When we were singing the uh, hold on, I just kept hearing the Lord saying that it's where people have finances and debt and God was going to, God's holding on and God's going to bring freedom. So that was pretty crazy just to see that happen.
3: (laughs) Beautiful. Well, clearly I forgot that my curling iron laughs at me in the south (laughs) where it is humid and I walk outside and my hair grows a lot because my hair was nice and curly when I left this morning. And then I looked at myself in the mirror and went, wait a minute, I kind of look like the United States Olympic team. (laughs) Did y'all watch the opening ceremonies? Well, if you didn't, this is what they were wearing, minus the Georgia boots, okay? Now, if you don't laugh at me, I will actually sit down, because making you laugh is super fun. So you have to laugh, because it's fun to laugh, right? So right now, I'm allowing you to laugh at my expense, Of looking like the United States Olympic team. You think I'm kidding? Google it on your phone, but not right now, because I'm about to preach, and that's rude. Well, hmm. Last night when Bob was preaching, I was thinking about this morning, and he was planning on talking this morning. Wow. Grace, grace, grace. Everyone reach your hands out. We hear sirens. Grace, grace, grace. We teach our kids. Anytime they hear a siren, see a police officer. Anything like that, we reach our hands out and say, grace, grace, grace. And I know one day in glory, we're going to get to see the ripple effect of that, Amen. which is so fun. So Bob comes and sits down last night, and, or while he was preaching, I thought, you know, I kind of feel like I'm supposed to share with him. I preached this message once in Texas. I don't know, maybe it's a Southern thing. But I preached this message once in Texas that um, I called the, the Four Seasons. And I don't know why we like to give messages titles like, I'm not going to make a CD of it, so. but that's the title of the message. And so I kept thinking about that message last night, and then he, he, Bob got done, and he comes and sits down, and he goes, hey, do you want to preach tomorrow? I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Y'all are all looking at me like, yeah. it's going to be good. Are you ready for it? Okay. Before I talk about seasons, I have to talk about seasons versus moments, because there's a difference, Okay. So sometimes in our life, we have a moment, and it's made to be a moment. Maybe it's a good moment. Maybe it's a hard moment. And it's meant to be a moment that we process through, that we either celebrate or we mourn. But we're we're meant to navigate that moment quickly. The Lord is supposed to come in and do an immediate work inside of our heart, and it's supposed to be a moment. But what happens is, is sometimes we turn a moment into a season when it's not supposed to be a season, the opposite is also true, where we have things in our life where we are supposed to process a season, and for some reason inside of our culture, our community, inside and outside of the body of Christ, we often kind of want the microwave version of our life, right? Like the 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 the, the line that you sang today, that was like, what, "What was it about time? Like we're not in a hurry, or you can take your time, or whatever." I'm like, oh, that's so good. Like, God, I actually surrender my timeline to you. I surrender my timeline to you. And oh, Jesus, forgive me for assuming that I should know the timeline better than you do. So we take season, or we take these, we're in this season of life, but we're so in a hurry to compartmentalize it, to self-medicate it, to maybe even just try to, Sozo it away. And don't get me wrong. I'm like 1-800-DONNA-DA-SILVA is my best friend. I'm a fan of inner healing. I love it. But there's things in life that are meant to be a process. And what the hard part is, is if we're trying really hard to cram a process into a moment, then we miss the heart of God and the lessons that we were called to learn. Because there is a lesson in and out of every single season of life that we're in. So we're going to start out on kind of a heavy note, and then we're going to work our way up to a fun, kind of end on a fun note, and hopefully I'll land the plane well. Sometimes I just sort of crash the plane into the side of the building and let the pastor clean up the mess next week. So we'll see which of those two options it's going to be. So the first season I want to talk to you about is the dark side of the soul. Now, how many of you know the dark side of the soul season? It's okay, you can be vulnerable, you can raise your hand. The dark side of the soul season, if I, anytime I'm going through anything in life, I try to look at lessons that I can learn from the walk that Jesus walked over the course of his life and the walk of those around him. Now, I can't by any means assume that my pain, my hardships, my suffering is comparable to taking on the suffering of the world. But I think about the dark side of the soul season, and if I had to pick a specific moment, that would represent the dark side of the soul for me again for Jesus in this instant you're looking at a moment but for me if i had to look at a season it's the moment when he's hanging on the cross and he says father why have you forsaken me now don't miss this we we are never forsaken Never on on this side of the cross are we forsaken, but I've had moments in my life where I felt forsaken, where I felt like, I actually don't know where you are. I can't find you. I can't feel you. I can't see you. I feel forsaken, and we understand the overt reason why. God had to turn his back on his son in his moment of greatest pain. The overt reason why God had to turn his back is because all of a sudden Jesus represented all of our sins and God had to turn his back. But I think there's this other piece behind it. There's this other deeper layer of understanding that Jesus actually knows what it means to be forsaken. So then that way, when we somehow feel forsaken... There's a point of relatability if we allow it to be there. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm mom. I have five kids. Wow. I get overwhelmed almost every time I say that I have five kids. I grew up an only child, so I wasn't really planning on the whole like, you know, basketball team worth of children all crammed into half a decade. Like, that's just, you know, my husband and I are personalities of extremes, right? Like. Like, we have a, a Mercedes Sprinter, you know, that big, tall, 12, 10-foot-tall van? Yes, y'all know that? It's like the FedEx truck, okay? We have that, and then we have, my car's a Mini Cooper, okay? Extremes in our household. Like, that's, that's the reality of our life. But I'm a mom. I've got five kids. And I remember this one time. My daughter, Ari, who's six now, she's five, she was five at the time, and she's like, she's, she's annoyingly perfect, right? She's a better parent than I am. She's more mature than I am, and and I'm pretty sure that she can process stuff in her heart better than just about any adult I've ever met in my life. She's brilliant. So we're in ballet class, okay, and I'm I'm getting to watch her do her ballet class. It was the first time going to a new class. So I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm watching her, and she's like, you know, it's like mom watching your kid in ballet, right? First girl, I'm like sappy about it the whole night. So I'm watching her in ballet class, and this little girl comes up to her and says something mean to her. (laughs) And every righteous bone in my body left, and I wanted to kill this little girl. I'm like, no, 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 that's my kid. You don't talk to my kid that way. And this, like southern mama bear inside of me was rising up, and the wrath of God, well, probably more like the wrath of Kimberly, wanted to fall on the backside of this teeny tiny little four-year-old child, right? All because she said something snarky to my daughter, okay? Uh, uh, How how many of you in here have kids? Oh, that's why. Most of you don't have kids yet. They're all like looking at me like, so I'm going to come talk to y'all because I... Ivy gets what I'm talking about. They're all kind of like, what? I, uh, I don't know that I would ever say that about a little four-year-old girl. Just wait. Just you wait. Give yep, give it time. See? We got, like, yeah, moms and dads in the rooms. true. You will. you will. It's true. And so, you know, and then afterwards we, like, we get in the car, and I'm like, I'm like, she like she's like, Mom, I feel like I need to just kind of process my heart with you. And I'm like, and so then she like does inner healing on me because I'm like so mad at this girl. She's like, I just need to release forgiveness to her. I know, it sounds really adorable, but I'm pissed. I'm like, we're never going back there again, which is not healthy parenting. Anyway, so all of that to say is every instinct in you as a parent is to protect your child, is to cover your child, is to fight battles for your children. It is every instinct inside of you. And when you look at that one reaction, you think about what it took for the father to turn his back on his son in his moment of greatest desperation, in his moment of greatest pain and suffering, what it took for the father to forsake him. But the reality is, is God the father forsa- forsook his son, forsook, is that a word, forsaked <laughs> forsook. Dang, it's not forsook. That was going to be a really powerful moment and it just went out the window. God the father turned his back on his son. That's better. In his moment of greatest pain and suffering, so he would never have to turn his back on you. That's why he did it. So the dark side of the soul season is Typically one where you're tucked up under his wing, and you may not know it, and sometimes you may not feel it, but that's where you are. The Lord draws near to the brokenhearted. He's inside of the dark side of the soul season. But if we try to compartmentalize it or self-medicate it or just get through it, we're going to miss his heart in that season. And I look back at my darkest side of the soul season where we went through such deep loss in a time span of about 18 months. Many of you know my story, but I had both my parents pass away. We had two failed adoptions and our youngest child was born profoundly deaf all in 18 months. We literally buried my dad 18 months to the day after we buried my mom. And it was like, it was this season that I look back on And there were moments where I made a decision where I said, God, I still choose you even though I don't understand this. And I felt the nearness of the Lord in a way that I still crave today. So don't miss his heart inside of those seasons because you're never gonna get it back. We actually don't get to worship him through pain in eternity. We only get the privilege of choosing him through pain this side of eternity in this very finite life. Don't miss it. I'm going to give you keys inside of each of the seasons. My keys inside of Dark Side of the Soul, worship music. Sometimes you can't do words. Sometimes your spirit just can't even handle words. So just worship music playing all the time. Passion translation of the Psalms. And that's it. Like that's all you have to do. You don't have to... I mean, some days you're taking it an hour at a time. Some days you're doing good to get out of bed in the mornings, and some days you can't, and that's okay. That's okay. But you have to remember that the dark side of the soul season is not forever. I remember there was this one time I was curled up in the fetal position on our bed, and I was weeping, and it was Thanksgiving 2013. It was right in the middle of that 18 months. And I'm just crying, and I told Bob, I'm like, I'm not going to Thanksgiving dinner, (laughs) like, I'm not going to, I don't want to talk to anyone. Don't want to see your family. The world sucks. This is horrible. I want to stay in bed. And Bob's like, that's fine. I can take the kids to Thanksgiving dinner. I think it's like, it's like the day before Thanksgiving, I think. He's like, that's totally fine. You can stay in bed. I can take the kids. And so he turns on worship music, leaves me in my puddle, which is what I need in that time. I actually don't need him to like, that would not be pretty. And so he turns on worship music and leaves, and and I hear the Lord say, "Google the five stages of grief." And I thought, well, that's carnal. Like clearly, that cannot be God. Because somehow in our culture, we believe this lie that it's not okay to not be okay, right? Like God is in a good mood. Well, yeah, He is, but this sucks. Like, it's real. So I Googled the five stages of grief, and one of the five stages of grief was depression. And you would have thought that I would have said, oh, wait, don't, don't speak that word over me. Like, I'm like an optimistic to an annoying point kind of a person, okay? Like, glass half full all the time. Like, Bob and I went through this season where we were homeless, and our car got repossessed. But they left one of those really expensive straps where they took our car, And I was like all excited because I'm like, babe, we got like a $50 strap. He's like, babe, our car is gone. I'm like, but we got a new strap. And, And it was like when I read the word depression, it was like life filled my lungs. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, this is a stage. Like I need to allow my heart the grace to feel this. I need to give my heart the space to be depressed. I need to fully embrace this moment and understand that it's not the rule. It's the exception to the rule, okay? And I'm not talking about depression as an actual mental health clinical diagnosis. There's a difference. Do you understand that? Yes. So it it, it made life fill my lungs because I gave my heart space to feel depressed. And I actually did go to Thanksgiving dinner for the record. Okay, so worship, passion, translation, the songs. Second season is the climb. The climbing season is about learning lessons. So I used to call this the challenging season, but people didn't like that word. So I'm, I'm calling it the climb because it makes ch- the challenging, it feels a little better, right? Like, but when you think about what it takes to actually climb a mountain, you're talking about a lot of work. You're talking about cuts and scrapes, you're talking about bruises, you're talking about getting knocked on your butt, like that's what you're talking about, okay? Can I have your eyeballs? Are, are y'all with me? Yes. You're with me, okay. You sure? Some of, some of, I'm like, I'm like a big listen to the audience person, so I'm fine if, I mean, I can change directions. Okay, so the climb. So the climb is about learning lessons. So for Bob and I, our climb season was the season I was actually just talking about where we were homeless. We were homeless for eight months. We lost everything. This was about seven years ago. And lost our house, lost our car. Like, we were, you know, we were on, like, the peanut butter and bread diet. <laughs> like, we would go to Costco, get peanut butter and bread, and that was literally all we could afford. Like, that was it back then. But what we did, what we, we sort of unintentionally learned, one of our staples was we would go to Barnes & Noble, and we would get a cup of coffee, and we loved Barnes & Noble because it had all of these books that we could dream to these high capacities. We could dream about places we wanted to travel, our homes we wanted to build. We could dream about anything, and all it cost us was like the $3, you know, well, technically $3 each, $6 cup of coffee from Starbucks. So every Thursday night, we would swap babysitters with our friends, and we would go to Barnes & Noble and we would dream. And there was one night where we couldn't afford our $6 Starbucks date. And, you know, I was tired of looping in mom and dad and letting them know, like, how tight it really was. Because, of course, we had friends and family who would have gladly given. In those seasons, sometimes you just don't want to. It's hard to ask for help. But I was just, I was so upset because I'm like, Jesus, I, like, I need this $6 to go to Starbucks with my husband and dream. Like, this is an anchor for our soul in this season. I'm desperate for it. And so I'm like crying out to the Lord. I go to the mailbox. I open the mailbox. And inside the mailbox, there's a $100 Starbucks gift card for my Aunt <laughs> Yeah, totally. So I'm like a puddle of like snot and tears at the mailbox, like crying. There's like ladies walking their dog like, are you okay? I'm like, I got a Starbucks gift card. <laughs> and, and what's funny is like if you would have asked me, so Kimberly, what's more important? Like God paying your rent or providing you with Starbucks, I probably would have said, well, probably rent would feel more important to me. But what I learned in that moment is he knows my heart so intimately. Yeah. And actually, the Starbucks gift card was way more of a priority than the rent. Mm-hmm. And we had this beautiful eight months where we lived in what we called it the Christian commune because beautiful friends let us sleep in their house, and it was the Christian commune. And I look back on that and I just think, you know, there's not a day that goes by that that season does not somehow pop up in my head. There's not a time where Bob and I don't go to Costco and stuff our gigantic van full of organic grass-fed beef for my husband. I don't eat that. And, And fruits and vegetables and come home. And unload, I unload it all over the kitchen counter. We unload it all over the kitchen counter. And we stand there and look at our groceries. And I remember when we could only afford peanut butter. And I'll never take for granted buying groceries. But I look back on that, and there were so many times that I just wanted to, I wanted that season to be over. I wanted to get through it. The other thing that we learned, and we learned this because we had to teach our children. We had to teach our children, like, hey, when, when you're packing up all their toys in boxes, it's real. When you're putting all, all of their things, their bicycles, because there's not room for it. We're having to teach our children about pruning and keeping their hearts right. And the biggest thing that we t- taught them was about gratitude. So, kids, we're going to find out what we're grateful for. We're going to find out what we're grateful for. That year, my parents bought us, uh, gave us a couple hundred bucks to get buy Christmas presents for one another, and the only Christmas presents we got were these two huge table books, that were of, <laughs> that were of like ranch home, ranch style homes, farmhouse style houses, log cabins, and, whew, and I wrote inside of it, it said, "Christmas 2009," I said, "By the world standards, we're a lifetime away from ever owning a home like this." But I know we serve the God of the impossible, and we'll be in our forever home sooner than we think. And what's amazing is right now we're actually in the process. Y'all can pray our house sells. We're in the process of selling our house, and there's a couple that's literally bent over backwards to get us in their 3,200-square-foot, beautiful pool, three acres, farmhouse-style home. And, man, you just never take it for granted. Like, you just never take it for granted. So, in the climbing season, you're gathering your tools. What are the anchors that will sustain you for the rest of your life? And here's what's beautiful. As you go on and you build teams or you grow and you gather friends and community around you, whatever it looks like, what you'll find out is that in the climbing season, you've actually created a culture that will be like leaven to those around you. So there was a day about a year ago with our Extreme Love team, which is our nonprofit. And I'm listening as they're all going around and they're all dreaming, really big dreams. And they're all saying what they're thankful for. And they're all being overwhelmingly vulnerable. Because don't miss this, when you're homeless, it's a vulnerable place to be. So that was like a forced lesson that we learned. It probably wasn't one that we embraced very well. But it forced us to learn to be vulnerable, to be willing to trust people inside of our vulnerability. And so I'm listening to these three things, dreaming, gratitude, vulnerability, and it's a culture that's established among our nonprofit. And I didn't sit down our team one day and say, okay, guys, so here's the story. The story is we were homeless. I didn't give them this whole story that I just gave you. But what unintentionally happened was a culture was established inside of our team, of our nonprofit of now 32 or so people, and a culture has been created that we started when we were homeless and had no clue we were starting. So decisions that you make inside of the climb will actually be like leaven to the culture around you as you grow. Number three, contending for breakthrough. Now, I know the climbing and contending for breakthrough can seem kind of similar, okay? So, you could consider this, like, number two, A. Yeah, totally. Number two, dash. You can laugh. It's okay. I know. It's intense. Like, when I talk about, like, intense stuff that Bob and I went through and I get it, it's, like, so vulnerable and personal and you guys are not wanting to, like, laugh at me when I'm being funny because the fact that you're, like, you're, like, feeling my vulner. right? You're, like, there's, like, heart connection, So you're like, oh, gosh, I want to hug you. But I'm not a hugger if you've been here this weekend. You've learned, like, Bob's the hugger, Kimberly. I I do. I give hugs, sort of. I'm not that good at it. It's awkward. I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Okay. Contending for breakthrough. So the contending for breakthrough, I kind of think of it like if you're climbing a mountain and you reach kind of like a plateau area. Does that make sense? So I'm, I would assume, I've never climbed a mountain, I never will, I don't do camping, I'm like, I give me like, I'll do the glamping thing, you know, like the RV and bring a masseuse and a nanny with me and maybe a chef, I could totally camp like that, but the whole like, yeah, so I will never climb a mountain, so I'm going to trust that those of you in the room, who have, who's actually like climbed a mountain, like hiking, wow, a lot of you, see, more than the kid thing, see, see, all will get this. Okay, so I'm assuming there's like areas that you reach that are like leveled off, right? So, okay, this analogy may not actually work, but we're going we're gonna to roll with it. Okay, so in contending for breakthrough, there's one of two things happening. One of them is fighting, and the other one is resting. Okay, let me see your eyeballs. One of them is fighting, and the other one is resting. And don't miss this. If you're supposed to be resting and you're fighting, you're shadow boxing with nothing. So if in this season you're supposed to rest, you're supposed to let the Lord be Father God, why do we get breakthrough in rest? Because he wants to show you that he's a faithful father. Why do we get breakthrough in fighting? Because he wants to show you that you're his partner and his friend and that he trusts you. The key in this one is knowing which one you're supposed to be in. If you're like in fighting, in fighting seasons where we're declaring, we're declaring the word of the Lord of our life, we're writing down declarations, we're, um, we're fasting, we're interceding, we're doing all of those things that we know to do. We're, we're like warring, listening to worship music that's like, that gets our like battle face on. Okay? That's fighting. Okay? Over here in resting, it's resting. Resting doesn't necessarily mean plaguing. It can sometimes. But for me, now granted with five kids, vacation is a lot of work. Again, y'all don't know this yet, but you will. Disneyland is the most exhausting place on earth for a parent with five children. It's like, it, it, it looks fun. And all of our Instagram pictures are so cute. But in reality, you're like, kid has a sucker stuck in their hair, right? You have pit stains that are like coming down to here. You don't smell cute. You don't smell cute. But you leave a compact mirror in your purse to like powder your nose up a little bit to take like a picture with Elsa and Anna. It's true. You see, they they don't get it. Like the parenting references, you will. You will. You'll remember this day. In rest season, it looks it, it's rest. You're supposed to be resting. I need a phone and a time. My watch time, I realized is the wrong time. What time do we go until 12? Okay.. OK. Um, yes. Rest. So the hard piece about rest is that if you don't rest and you keep compartmentalizing, you keep stuffing you will hit this gigantic concrete wall called exhaustion. And that's not fun. Trust me, I just did it like six months ago. <laughs> okay? All, All right. right. Now, the importance of rest. Okay, Exodus 17. I'm going to open my Bible because I love my Bible. How many of you, when you're opening your Bible, you like, see, I'm in the south, so y'all understand this. You like you sing that old Bible song that's like the books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's true. We don't do that up in Northern California. All right. 1711. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel speak to them, saying, Hold on, wait. Is that what I want to? No, that's 16. I'm like, that is not what I want to be. In rest, you complain. <laughs> okay. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. His hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So when you're supposed to be resting, Yet contending for breakthrough, you have to have community. It's a must. You have to have people around you that say, stop fighting. Sit down and hold your hand. let me hold your hands up. The thing is, is Aaron and her couldn't hold their own hands up. It had to be Moses inside of the battle in order for them to be victorious. Moses had to be the ones with his arms up. But he was tired. So he's still contending, but through community, through vulnerability, through allowing other people to stand in the gap for him, he was victorious. Okay? All right, next one. This isn't really a season. This is more like a thing. But there's a point of where you have to leap. There's a point of which... Again, going back to my climbing a mountain reference. There's a point of which you meet, you, re, you meet a crossroads and you have to make the decision and you have to leap. And leaping may look like buying a plane ticket to go somewhere that you feel called to be. Leaping may look like telling your mom and dad that you feel called to be in a career field that's different to what they think that your career field should look like. Oh, you got that one. Finally. We're relating. I'll try to circle back to the college age references. It's, it's been a while. I know I look like I'm 22 years old. Don't laugh on that one. But I'm not. So a leap looks like a decision that's going, okay, I'm making a jump. And most of the time, the leap can often feel like you're going down. But you're having to jump across a chasm in order to get there, and there's no going back. For some of you, if you're type A personality like me, it's just making a decision and trusting the emotion to follow. But more than that, trusting the grace of God, the provision of God to cover you in the decision. And we like to think like this is what this is a picture I have. So like you're standing there and there's a chasm and then here's the place to leap. And we, you have people in your life that are giving you prophetic words saying you're called to be here. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You read a scripture that confirms it, and you keep throwing fleeces out to say, God, just like, just prove it to me one more time. And then what you're secretly hoping is going to happen is that an angel of the Lord is going to appear in your life, scoop you up like a little baby, carry you across the chasm, and really gently set you down. Like, that ain't gonna happen. It's not. It's called a leap for a reason. Because when you make the leap, you look back and you go, I'm kind of awesome for doing that. (laughs) And you need that in your life, okay? All right. That's the leap. Last season, abundance. In abundance, you recognize that you're in abundance. We like to think when we say abundance, we automatically go to provision, we automatically go to money, which is dumb. It's like the lowest thing in heaven. It's literally the concrete. But for whatever reason, I say abundance and it's like, whoop. No, it can be an abundance in a a multitude of things, okay? Abundance in finding rhythm in your life. Abundance in your time. Abundance in your relationships. Abundance can be across the board. And what you need to do is recognize the areas of your life where you are already in abundance. We serve a God of abundance, There is some area in your life right now, today, where you are living in abundance. There is. So, figure out what that area is and honor it, celebrate it, recognize it, give God glory for his faithfulness in that area of abundance in your life. You live in the United States of America, for crying out loud. You live in abundance. The things that you can't miss, the keys in abundance are go lower still. You always go lower still, whatever that is. So if you have an abundance in relationships, you're always looking for people to pour into. If you have an abundance of finances, you're always looking for ways to be generous, but also to get your hands dirty, like to go and actually serve and love and get your your hands in it. You're always looking for that. The other key is don't miss any of the tools or keys that you learned in your previous seasons. So in my dark side of this whole season, it created this desperation inside the pit of my belly for the Lord that was like, I literally cannot get out of bed in the morning without you. But if I lose that in abundance, I'm going to be missing out, man. And there's days, like, we had a day recently where we brought home all these, we brought home, we had a grocery moment, and man, my husband, my husband and Jesus convicted me. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? I mean, and we went, we, like, hit all the stops, right? Like, Orchard Nutrition, Costco, Trader Joe's, you know, like, I mean, it, it was like a monstrosity in my kitchen. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then, yes, the next day, all the food was gone, like, you, they don't get it. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to come back in a decade and preach this same message, and y'all are going to be like, yes, I get it. Oh, we okay? Yeah. Woo. So so we brought in all these groceries, and there were all these, like, stank food containers in the fridge. And that, like, I told Bob when we were dating, I'm like, I don't take out the trash unless you're, like, borderline dying. And I don't clean out stank food containers. Like, I will throw away a beautiful glass Tupperware container before I will clean it out. Call me crazy, but I just, I think it's disgusting. And so there's all these, like, gross food containers. The fridge is a mess. And I'm trying to get everything organized. And I was a little, like, stressed because we had somewhere to be. And I was frustrated because I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then Bob was like, babe, peanut butter, do you realize you're complaining about abundance? Oh, and I like, I I literally, I'm sitting there in front of the fridge with the fridge open and fully felt the conviction of the Lord come over me. Like, oh God, forgive me. Don't let this happen again. It It was a good, it was a good little, like, you don't think Jesus spanks you? Jesus spanks you. That was one. In abundance, don't allow a foreboding spirit to come in. Foreboding spirit is a spirit that assumes something bad must happen. So, oh man, this is, this is too good to be true. Something bad's around the corner. That's actually, it's, the name of it is a foreboding spirit. Remember the name? So then that way, if you feel that, you can call it out for what it is. Like, I actually come against the foreboding spirit in my life, and I don't partner with it in Jesus' name. Okay? Okay, so these are just my, these are my, like, kind of random floating post-it notey keys for all of the seasons to keep in mind, okay? God is more concerned with your process than he is with your perception of how he should provide. Okay. God is more concerned with your process than your perception of his provision. So we think provision should look like this. He's more concerned about your heart. And if he were to get you off even one degree now, how far off are you going to be in the future? He's too concerned about your heart. He's too concerned about your future. Grace for media will change in and out of all the seasons. Recognize it and don't ignore it. There will be times where you can watch a movie, maybe your favorite movie, and then all of a sudden you go to watch that movie for the first time in a couple months and you're like, wow, I... I can't handle this movie. Turn it off. Like, don't just, don't just watch the movie. There's other times where it's the opposite. I watched a movie recently that I guarantee you six months ago, there's no way I could have watched it. There's still things that I have zero tolerance for. I have zero tolerance for nudity or anything sexual in movies. But, like, my assistant who radically loves the Lord does okay with movies that has some of that in it. And I, like, I literally can't handle it. I think part of it is the work we do in trafficking. I, I think that's part of it. But language was something that six months ago I couldn't have handled at all. We watched a movie recently. Language was horrible, and I laughed my butt off. And then I left the theater and had to, like, process it with the Lord. I'm like, I would have walked out of this movie six months ago. So grace for media will change. Recognize it. There is no two steps forward, three steps backwards in the kingdom. Good gracious. I mean, like seriously, we go from glory to glory to glory. And see, what we don't realize is like, you know when you work out? Okay, well, not me. (laughs) We've established that. When Bob goes to the gym, (laughs) it's true. I do Pilates, though. Pilates is amazing. Pilates is my jam. Does anyone do like reformer Pilates, like on a reformer machine? Oh my gosh! You should. You're in California, I know I am California totally. There's, every now and then I have these moments where I'm like, oh, the South in me. I'm from. I was born and raised in Dallas, we throw hay so I know I need. Yeah, yeah. He's like, we throw hay bales. That's our exercise. So you know how when you work out, if you work out, the next day you feel sore, right? Okay, that's because when the muscles are actually breaking down in order to be built up, the Lord actually made our body that when things are broken, they become stronger. So this whole process of like two steps forward, three steps backward, and we're like thinking we're just doing this the whole time, and we're sort of staying here, and we're not actually going anywhere, what we're not realizing is there's actually a strength that's being established inside of you. That is where the grit, that is where the resolve is determined. Your character is not determined on your mistakes. It's determined on your ability to say yes in the midst of this. To say, I trust you that I only go from glory to glory. I surrender my timeline to you. I surrender my process to you. God, forgive me for assuming what you know, that I know more than you do about how you should provide in my life. Because you're a good, good father. There's different scriptures in different seasons. Figure out what they are. There's reading, reading anything that's like King David in the Psalms for me in hard seasons, like I would have given up hope if I hadn't believed that I'd seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. Oh. And the scriptures in the Psalms where he talks about being able to prophesy with praise, like he prophesies with the harps. I love that. Oh, it's beautiful. Because then, what's happening is when I'm stuck in my stuff, and all I have to do is hit play to crazy anointed people like this man right here, what's happening is I'm actually getting to come underneath an anointing that these people have contended for in their own personal life, and they're prophesying over my life in my puddle, in the fetal position, on my bed. It's prophesying with praise. The Lord draws near to the brokenhearted. See, I'm doing a new thing. There's this amazing business book, and if any of you are in business or leadership of any kind, you should read it. It's called Illuminate. It was written by a woman named Nancy Duarte, and she is a spirit-filled believer. She's amazing. Um, the book's not a Christian book. Like I said, it's a business book. But it gives this example of how businesses that are some of the most successful businesses in the world, they're, they're consistently innovating. And what I love is is the the way that it describes a leader is actually called a torchbearer. And and the thing that I love about that is the fact that when I think of a torchbearer, I think of a wilderness. And a wilderness is something that was created, like the land, the dirt, the soil was created by God. And so as leaders, you're actually getting to go and discover something that he's already created, that he's already put into place, that's already there. Which I just think is such a beautiful picture of the Lord. Illuminate, Nancy Dwark. Okay. Hmm. Seek first. Seek first his kingdom. So when stuff happens, what's your first go-to? Is it to call your spiritual parents? Because anyone that's under us or on our teams, if they're calling, like, Okay, what did Jesus say to you about that? I'm not going to tell them what to do. I'm not going to replace Jesus in their life. Seek first. On the other side, in abundance, in celebration, what are we seeking first? What are we giving honor to first? What are we glorifying first? Who's our first phone call, so to speak? Pray that people come first and then provision. I've seen it happen the other way around. It ain't pretty. But here's the hard part. If we don't give recognition, see, two of the signs that God is breathing on something in your life is he will bring people and then he will bring provision. It just shows you he's breathing on it. So you have a dream in your life and then all of a sudden somebody comes up to you and is like, oh man, so I like, I, let, let's say that you have a dream of opening a gym in Athens. Like, I want to open a gym in Athens. Somebody comes to you like, oh my gosh, I want to open a gym in Athens. The really frustrating thing that we often do is we somehow think of the kingdom of God like a patent office. Like, but wait, I had the dream first. I got the prophetic word first. I like put in my ticket. And we think that all of a sudden this person is wanting to do your dream. And it's like, well, wait a minute, that's my dream. Instead of maybe recognizing that the Lord has brought you somebody to link arms with and build together. The hard part is is that if we don't honor the people that he has breathed on to bring in our life, the provision can't come. We have to give recognition in order to see provision come. Yeah, so I'm going to pray for you. Put your hands out. so Father, we just we surrender our timeline. I want you to say that with me, say, God, I surrender my timeline. I'm just I'm going to talk slash pray slash something. So I know for many of you there I could there, there's countless other seasons that we could talk about today. These are the ones that I felt like should be highlighted. but I'm just going to pray, Father, that you would just So tenderly show them different seasons of their life. Show them different seasons of their life. Show them what season they're in right now. Give them grace to be vulnerable and reach out for help when they need it. And give them strength for those who are going to be the Aaron and hers. For those who need it. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for Travis and Jessica, for the different groups that are represented here, God. I thank you just for the mantle that they carry. I feel like the Lord just said, um, I, I I had to break the foundation in order to make it stronger. And so I feel like there was foundation that was there that was cement. And the way that I see it is I see like this kind of like one of those jackhammery things that are like cracking up the foundation. And the picture that I have is there's like this pot that's in heaven. And I just see the Lord and this, these hosts of angels, and then there's a cloud of witnesses. There's actually generations of people that have gone before you in your own like biological families, spiritual families. And I just see that they're pouring directly into the foundations. And it's, this, it's, it's the gold. It's like the heavenly pavement. And it's clear. It's like see-through. And it's like sparkly, like almost as if there's diamonds in it, but you can't see the defined diamonds. And I just see this picture. And he's like, I just see it coming straight from heaven. And there's this huge foundation that's all like cracked up. And he's pouring this gold, this liquid gold into it. And he's just infusing, whoa, he's infusing this heavenly provision, this heavenly leaven inside of the foundation. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the saints that have gone before us. We thank you that we get to stand on the ceilings of those that have gone before God, we ask for forgiveness. And inside your heart, I actually want you to ask the Lord for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness for at any point where we have assumed that we know what it should look like better than you do. Oh, I just feel like this wave of mercy coming in the room. And that he's actually knitting up mercy in your heart because you felt guilt. There's there's parts where you felt guilt and, and almost like a grief. Because you can look back over some of those seasons where you feel like you've missed it. And he's just in his mercy just going to show you the, how near he was. And just like in a breath, it's as, if, it's as if he just wiped away any of that guilt. Yeah, so Father, I just, I thank you for these people. I thank you that you know their hearts deeply. You know them intimately. You know who they're called to be. We do, we thank you for the saints that have gone before us. I love the scripture that says, our foundation is built on the apostles and the prophets that have gone before us with Christ Jesus as our cornerstone. So God, just show us that foundation that that has gone before us, that we're standing upon. Thank you that they were born for such a time as this, that they're deeply planted in this place. And we just say yes. We say yes to more of you. I ask for for deep levels of clarity of your voice, of what season they're in, of what moments are to be moments. And God, just show them your keys. Show them the keys that you've given them and the areas where they've created culture within their own families, within their marriages, within their relationships, within their teams. And God, I thank you that you waste nothing. Nothing is wasted. Man, give him some glory. Like, get excited. He's faithful. We love you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.
1: Thank you so much. This is so awesome. So many good keys. I hope you're all taking notes. You got to go back and look at it. Oh, man, awesome. Well, stand up with me. And uh, if uh, Drake or Blake, if one of you guys could come up here. Um. What? We'll, okay. Drake, you can come on up here. We'll have our, uh, if you're part of the awakening and you s- serve on ministry teams at any point, even if this isn't your Sunday, if you come on up here, up to the front, <clears throat> if you got, unless you got a baby, you got to take care of. First, yeah, yeah.
0: I just keep feeling this burning in me, so I'm going to say it, especially for all you college guys and girl gals, man, she was like throwing gold out this morning. It's like gold. I hope you do record that and title it so we can get a hold of it, because I'm telling you, like right now you may not get it all, and that's okay, because you don't know what season you're in, but... You will, and you're going to remember, and you're going to remember some of these things that she said today, and she's been, she's being been an, an, like an incredible mama, speaking her experiences, and you're going to remember these things. And um, I just got like this word when, uh, over this church, and I feel like even yesterday when we sat down and we had our time of question and answer, and Brittany was there, and she asked a question about um, the race things that are going on right now. I feel like you're getting ready to partner With some African-Americans here in in Athens, Georgia, I really do feel like I feel like God's going to show, make an example and show like what it can look like, actually, to have a body of Christ that that thing doesn't even matter. You guys are so partnered in the same way that she was saying that where they're your real brothers and sisters that are lift, raising your hands up. And I think that's what we we need to see of image and a picture of that. And I just felt that over this body of, of white people. <laughs> so I wanted to say that because I wanted to encourage you guys that, that there is something to that. And it may mean, you know, you them to lay some things down or feeling a little uncomfortable or whatever it takes. But I think that's something to pursue here in Athens, Georgia. That's something to pursue. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I've seen you dance. This guy can really dance. It's true. <laughs> Here, I love you, man. Can we just pray for that real quick? Father, we want to see God, an example. The world is waiting for that right now. America, our nation, is waiting for that example and that picture and that image. And Jesus, right now, it seems like such a huge chasm. And, Lord, we would love to have that angel come down and scoop us up. And he is on the other side. But, God, there is a leap. There is a jump that each of us are going to have to take. And, Father, this is the the battleground for, for all of that, God. Georgia, Father, this is a place, God, where if it happens here, it can happen anywhere. And so, God, I praise you and I thank you, God, for such a time as this, Lord, that this would be a, a vision of something burning in the hearts of this congregation, of this body and of this family, that the vision of that, that you would begin to see them just like they were saying, if, they ha- if you need to buy a coffee book and put it on your table, if you need to do something, you've got to get that vision in your head. You've got to get that vision of what that could actually look like. And then pray and believe and contend. Just like just like Bob said, you don't have to know it, have it all figured out, but you gotta be obedient. And be obedient until you see it start happening. And right now, God, that is such a thing that's burning on the Father's heart. So God, right now, I pray that over this body
1: in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, well Michael, I just wanna tell you what's been going on because we've been I've been Prophesying about, I really feel like the black church is going to help lead the way in revival, and particularly black worship is actually God's like raising it up. Because when you get in the presence, it's a, religion and politics fall to the side. It doesn't matter if white, black, Latino, it doesn't matter. And God's agenda comes forth. And Jonathan, you a part of this as well, but there's a uh, coalition of pastors, black and white pastors actually getting together next Thursday to, to game plan on how to bring unity, work together, white and black churches. So, and, um, so it's, it's, it is something God is doing in this city and um, heaven on earth looks like all skins worshiping together man, because it's happening in heaven. So I thank you so much for that word, man. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Bob, Ivy. We love you guys so much. John and Cindy, y'all are amazing. Thank you, Athens Link, for being here. And these Athens Link, this is our brother-sister church, wherever you want to call them, you know, in the city. And we're so thankful for them because they have such an amazing role in what God is doing in the city. And so we want to honor them and bless them as well. Give them hugs and thank them for what the price that they've paid as they've uh, been paving the way uh, in this city for breakthrough and revival. So if you need, if you want ministry for prayer, physical healing, hey, you want a prophetic word, we got people that can can pray with you. Or if you just need agreement with prayer about something, I'd be happy to pray for you. But you're free to go. And uh, love on somebody before you leave. And you can come and get ministry down in the front. Bless you guys.